to Acts chapter number four, and um, we're going to uh, look at verse number, begin in verse number 13 this morning. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them. They speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all the men glorified God for that which was done. Could you imagine being a part of this council? They admit to themselves what they see is real. The miracle that just happened, they can't deny it. But they don't want anyone to to hear of this miracle. They don't want to hear of this Jesus. The, the power that these men were preaching came from the name of Jesus and they wanted that name of Jesus not to be spread. They saw truth in front of them, yet they denied it. They, they saw the power of Jesus Christ, yet they wanted it hid so that no one else could see it. I couldn't imagine having truth in front of me like that and, and wanting to stop that truth. But these men, that was their desire. And we're gonna look this morning. I want you to see in verse number 13 again. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and I wanna look at that word boldness here this morning. Father, would you help us today? Lord, help us to be bold. Lord, if ever we have lived in a generation that needs to be bold, this is the generation. If ever the generation needed to be uh, preaching the gospel and living the gospel with boldness. Lord, we are living in that generation today. And so we pray that uh, you would bless this message. Thank you for the music. I pray, Lord, that it's ministered to our hearts and prepared our hearts for the preaching of your word. And Lord, I pray that you'd be pleased with it in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I have only two pictures, uh, family pictures of my family. We, um, we, we were so poor growing up. Uh, my parents couldn't even do family pictures. It's different now. You, oh, you, just, you just have to get a phone and you know, your camera and everything's digital. But you know, back in those days, you had to pay for film. And uh, then you had to pay to develop that. How many of you remember buying film, right? Buying camera film. And, and then you had to, you had to develop that, that film. And, and uh, I, I think I remember 110. Is that, was that a, is that a film? 110, remember that? And, uh, and then 35 millimeter. And, and uh, some of you remember even back then when they used to just take and, and, uh, stone, you know, and, and chisel pictures out. But no, I, I'm not quite that old. I still remember film. And, and 
because of that, you know, you didn't, didn't have the pictures. Now, if you look at the average person's phone, their phone is full and they have to buy storage because they have so many pictures on their phone. But back, back when I was young, we, we, um, I, I only know of two, two family photos. One was with me, my brother, and my sister, just the three of us, and I was really young. And, and then the oldest, the, the first family photo that we had taken, it wasn't until uh, we were older, and, and I think my sister was in high school, and, and um, she's a few years older than me, and so my brother and I were younger. And that was the first family photo. And, and uh, so those, those things are... Those things are precious to us because we don't have uh, many family photos like that, and so we, we, uh, everyone in our family cherishes those, and and um, especially since just the one, I, I only have one family photo with my father in it, um, and then uh, so those things are special to us, and I I, I look at those often. I I like photos. I have a lot of photos in my office and, and I look at, I look at photos often. I, I like taking pictures probably because we didn't have a whole lot when I was younger. And so we, um, I, I take a lot of pictures now and, and, um, now to save them, I just have a whole lot of phones that once we get a new phone, I just save those old phones because it got pictures on them. And I look at those pictures and to be honest with you, I do, I, I thank God for my life. I thank God for the way that he's blessed my family. He's blessed me. And I often think just one, one wrong move, one, one move outside of God's will, how many things, how many things could be wrong? But making right decisions, staying in the will of God. I, as, a, as a father, I think about that often just being in the wrong place, being in the wrong place where God wants you to be, being moving or when we moved, when we moved from Columbus, Georgia to here, one of my concerns, one of my, my fervent prayer was God, I don't want to raise my children in the wrong place. I raise my children in the wrong place and they meet the wrong person because of a decision I made, I could alter so many things that God never had planned. And I look back in my life and I see just how God put Michelle and I together and following the Lord's will and raising our children in church and raising our children here in this church, just how important those decisions are. And God's been so good. And the reality is this, the only thing that really matters in life is this, that every, every one of us, we have an inevitable meeting with God. Every one of us. Every single person is going to stand before God and give an account of their life. I want you to think about that this morning. There's going to be an inevitable meeting that you're going to take, that's going to take place in your life. There's lots of meetings you can avoid. My wife got postcard. She was supposed to go to jury duty and she forgot and they rescheduled her and she forgot. And she called and said, are you going to come pick me up now? You know, is the sheriff going to come get me? And the lady uh, was kidding around with Michelle and said, yes, we're, 
we'll just schedule that pickup now if we could. And, and she got scared. She said, no. And there's meetings that we can avoid. There's meetings that because we don't want to meet with them, we can be sick or call out of work or just not show up. But there's a meeting that every single one of us are going to stand before God. And that's an inevitable meeting. And you can't avoid that meeting. You can't get out of that meeting. You, you can't resist that meeting. You're not gonna be able to call out sick. You're not gonna be able to make an excuse. You're not gonna be able to avoid the postcard. There's going to be a meeting that's going to take place and that meeting is with God. And in that meeting, every one of us are gonna give an account of how we lived our life. At the age of six, I trusted Christ as my savior. I remember sitting in a vacation Bible school and after that message was over, I went into a side room on this side of an auditorium in, in Garden City, Michigan, and I trusted Christ as my savior. I remember at the age of 16 at camp at the wilds, I remember giving my life to Christ and said, Lord, whatever you want me to do with my life, I will surrender to that. I surrendered to the call to preach at the age of 16. Those are decisions that I made in my life. And I've made many decisions for the Lord since then. I remember as I was engaged with Michelle, we kneeled at the altar as, uh, in the middle of our engagement period. And we said, Lord, whatever you want us to do with our life, we'll surrender our life to you, whatever you want. At the birth of each of my children, my wife and I prayed, Lord, we give these children to you. They're yours. Help us to raise these children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We're raising these children for you, whatever you want. And we've made decisions. You know, I don't fear death. And the reason why is I know where I'm going. But one thing I think much about is standing before the Lord and giving an account for my life. I thank God for salvation. At the age of six, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so I know, I know where I'm going to spend eternity. But there's going to be a meeting that I'm going to stand before God. And in the book of Philippians, the author says to work out our salvation. And, he, and Paul is not meaning to, 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 to work for your salvation. There's nothing you can do to work for your salvation. Jesus Christ did all of it upon the cross. He took your sin upon the cross. He became sin for you. He paid the sin debt that you owed. And all we then simply must do is trust him by faith. And so the, Paul is not speaking of working to obtain salvation. What he's saying is this, discover why you're saved. Discover why you're saved. You're saved and now there's a purpose for your life. And discover what that purpose is. It isn't that we just get up and we go through the motions of our day and then we go to bed the next day. It's not that we live for vacations or that we live for, for promotions or we live for a, a job. God has a, a specific purpose plan for your life. And Paul says, discover that, figure it out, work that out, do what God has placed you upon this earth, has called you to do now that you're a child of God. In Acts 4.13, we find there's two men and they, those that were watching them, they saw the boldness. They were described, Peter and John were described by their boldness here in preaching the gospel. In every Christian, I would say this, I, I believe it's true in our generation, maybe even more so than any other generation, because I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come very soon. 
I think you see the events of this world. And I, I know that Christians throughout time have thought that, but you see what's happening in our world. You see the prophecies that have been fulfilled. You see the situation that Israel finds herself in. You see the, the, the climate the world finds itself in. I believe that Jesus Christ is going to come very soon. And for every Christian, it's time for boldness. It's time to be bold. It's time to be bold in our life, living a life for Christ. And God didn't create you to, to stay safe in the harbor. He created each and every one of us to launch out into the great seas and to experience a life of great faith and experience God's great power like Peter and John experienced here. As you read through the book of Acts, you'll find so often, you'll find these that were apostles and disciples of Christ living lives of great faith, and they saw the power of God firsthand. I want that for my life, don't you? I want to see God work. I don't want to just read how God worked in books. I want to live that. I want to experience that. In these men, they experienced God's power because they lived a bold life for Christ. And I want you and I, I want you and I to do something for Christ that lasts, that shines. I want Christ to be seen in our lives. And if you look at this world, you, you don't have to look very far. You find many that are bold about their sin, don't you? You find some that there's no shame for their wicked behavior. And some of the things that people say and some of the things that people do, you wonder, how could they have the boldness to, to do that publicly? How could they say that openly? And there's so many that don't know Christ. They're, they're bold about their sin. They're bold about their rebellion. They have no shame about their wicked behavior. But then these men, these men that we find in Acts chapter number four, these men were bold for the cause of Christ. I want you to see with me, if you would, please, in verse number 23. Would you turn there with me, verse number 23? In, in, in what we read, they, they couldn't stop these men from preaching. They threatened them. And then they threatened them even, even more. And they sent them out. And being let go, in verse number 23, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said, why did the, the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? Look down with me to verse number 29. And now Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness, they may speak thy word. And look at me, with me in verse number 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. One characteristic that the first century church had is a characteristic that we need in our lives today, that Christianity needs today in this century and that is boldness. I believe this, too many Christians are silent. Too many Christians are silent. Too many Christians have the truth, but fail to speak the truth. And we make excuses up, well, people don't want to hear. 
We make excuses up that people will just reject the truth. But the reality is this, our job isn't to decide what people want to hear or not. Our job is simply to be bold with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our job is to share the gospel, the good news, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and I thought about this. If you, if, you were to, if you were to go back and you were to study great revivals that took place around this world, do you realize this? Many of the revivals took place because there were a young a group of young people that desired for God to do something. Most revivals took place, it wasn't because the adults in the church thought God could do something great. It was because of the teenagers, the young people in the church thought that God could do something great and they weren't seeing it lived out in the adults and in their parents and they knew that God was a great God and just a small group of young people often would get down on their knees and with boldness begin to preach and beg God for, for his strength and it would change an entire continent because of their boldness boldness. Do you realize one family member with boldness could change an entire family? One employee with boldness, we've convinced ourselves this, that we can't speak truth. And so we'll work, if we're not careful, we will work day in and day out. The people that we spend the most time with in our life, hours upon hours upon hours every single week, will be the people that we never share the gospel with. If those don't hear the gospel and they die and spend an eternity in hell, wouldn't it be a shame that the person they spent the most time with in their life had the answer but failed to tell them? You see, one employee could change an entire business. One student could change an entire university. One student with boldness can change an entire school. One employee with boldness could change an entire, entire workplace. Look with me in the book of Acts, please, if you would, just go back a page or so, Acts chapter number two. In verse number 22 of Acts chapter two, we find probably a familiar passage of scripture for many. This is where the sermon that's preached on the day of Pentecost, some 3,000 people were saved this day. The local New Testament church, there was 3,000 people added to the church, one message that was preached. This caused a revolution to take place. This, this changed the course of history for, for so many people. In verse number 22, uh, ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs with God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know him being delivered by the determined counsel in foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by the wicked hands have crucified and slain. The Bible goes on to say in verse number 24, whom God hath raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Look with me in verse number 31. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up whereof we all are witnesses. You know, every Christian that believes calls himself a Christian. Every born-again Christian would believe this principle. No matter where you go, I preached last Sunday in the Dominican Republic, a different country, different language. I had an interrupter. I don't call him an, an interpreter. an interrupter the whole time as I was preaching. I'd have to stop, and he'd interrupt me and, and say what I was saying. I had no idea if he even was said and say the same thing. 
But it was amazing what I was preaching and what I believed and what the Bible says and what we teach here every week, the same thing is being taught there. I've been in churches in Africa and I've been in churches in, in uh, um, Asia. I've been in churches in Europe and I've preached in every one of those continents in South America. And, and as I stand and I preach from the word of God, there are people there that the church I'm preaching and they believe the same thing. It's amazing, no matter where you go, Christians believe what the word of God says. That's what brings us together. It's what binds us. It's a different language, a different continent, a different country, but we believe the words of this book. You know what I find that every Christian believes? One thing is this, they believe in the virgin birth. This Jesus of Nazareth, in verse number 22, he's speaking of this Jesus of Nazareth. This Jesus of Nazareth was one the Bible prophesied about that he would be born of a virgin. You know what I find? Those that believe in Jesus Christ, no matter what continent you're on, no matter what language you speak, they believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. I find this as well. They believe in verse number 22, ye men of Israel, hear the words Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders. You know what? They also believe this and what we believe, you write this down, number two, the sinless, sinless life of Christ. He was approved of God. The things that we're supposed to be bold about is what the disciples were bold about here in Acts chapter number two. They were bold that there was a virgin that, that conceived and that she conceived of the Holy Spirit of God and that was God himself, 100% God, 100% man, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. Verse uh, number three and verse number 23, him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by the wicked hands have crucified and slain. You know what all Christians believe, no matter what language we speak, no matter what continent we're on, we believe the Bible here, the crucifixion of Christ upon the cross. He was crucified. We're to be bold about the crucifixion of Christ. We're to be bold about his virgin birth. We're to be bold about the sinless life of Christ. We're to be bold about the crucifixion. Jesus Christ went to the cross he shed his blood on the cross so that your sins and my sins could be forgiven. Listen to me, Christian, there's no other way for a, a person's sins to be forgiven outside of the cross of Jesus Christ. That means this, any religion that points someone other than to the cross of Calvary, they're damning people's souls to hell. And we have the truth and we must be bold. We find in the same message that was preached on the day of Pentecost, we find in verse number 24, whom God hath raised up. You know what we preach? We preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have eternal life because Jesus Christ conquered death and conquered the grave. We find number five in verse number 33, uh, we find this, that, that uh, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted. You know what we find? The, the ascension of Christ. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's not in the grave any longer. He sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and for me. What a wonderful thing that is. When I was in the Dominican last week, we saw, we drove through a, a cemetery. I know that's kind of morbid, but... I like to go through old cemeteries. 
And uh, when, we were, when we were in Israel, we went and we saw an old cemetery. It was some 2,000 years old, that cemetery was. And, and we saw this old cemetery in the Dominican Republic. And, and as we drove through this, this uh, uh, cemetery there, I saw the, the dates and the things on these tombs. And, and uh, they're still in the grave. There's great religious leaders, their bodies are still in the grave. There's only one who is not in the grave and that is the one Jesus Christ. He's alive and he sits at the right hand of the father making intercession for you and for me. We ought to be bold about that. We find here in this passage of scripture as well in verse number uh, 33 that he sent the Holy Spirit of God having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. The day that you accepted Christ at the age of six years old for myself, the Holy Spirit came and lived inside of me and has been with me since that day, guiding me, directing me, leading me, convicting me, encouraging me. We ought to be bold about that. We find in verse number 33 as as well, look with me in the last part, which ye now see and hear. And I believe this, it's our responsibility. Number seven, we find this, it's our responsibility to tell others of these things. If a Christian won't be bold enough to tell, who will? Who will? Please stay with me this morning. Because in a few moments, we're going to come to this table and we're going to remember the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And listen to me, church, we can come in and we can speak of it here. We can celebrate the Lord's table. We can rejoice in who he is. But so many of us keep it a secret, never sharing this truth. While an entire world sits in darkness. While an entire world Three and a half, some three and a half billion people in this world, in our generation, alive today, have never heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Christians, we need to be bold. We need to do something different in this generation. We were in the Dominican Republic and we got there on Thursday evening and, and we drove right to Costanza. It was up in the mountains. And um, uh, we stayed in a, in a mountain area there for one night. And we came back to the Capitol building, the Capitol city the following, the following uh, uh, day, Friday evening to check in our hotel that we were gonna stay in that hotel the rest of the week. And I, you have to have passports and we had to make these reservations ahead of time. And so um, two months or so, Previously, we sent all the information so that we could have our, ho- our rooms reserved hit this hotel in the capital. Well, the missionary brought us to this hotel and we were tired. I mean, we, it, it had not been an easy trip. It was a tiring trip. The roads are horrible. We were up in the mountain. We went to the edge of the earth and then took us 12 miles further on this dirt road. I get car sick. It was a horrible experience. I couldn't wait to get down to the Capitol, get a hot shower and just rest. We got to the hotel. It was about seven o'clock or so. We got to the hotel and they said, your reservations aren't here. And I said, what do you mean our reservations aren't here? I looked at the missionary and he just kind of looked at me and I said, well, then make them. They said, well, it doesn't work that way. 
And so we went back and forth and, and finally they said, okay, we can make you a reservation, but you can't get into your room now. You're gonna have to leave and come back in a couple hours. And to, to, so I was frustrated that things didn't go as planned. And the men that were with me knew I was frustrated and, 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 and the uh, missionary knew that I was frustrated. And I said, I don't understand. We give you this information two months ago. We should have rooms. I want a shower. I was thinking about me and everybody around saw it. We went out and got uh, dinner when we came back to check into our rooms. They said, because of the problem, we're gonna put you in the executive level of the hotel, the seventh floor. You know, the, the one that you have to have a key card in the elevator to get up there. I said, all right, well, I, I think I can forgive you for that, you know. Thank you. They put us in this seventh floor and there's only eight floors in the hotel. The seventh floor is the executive level. The eighth floor is uh, a restaurant that only those that could stay in the seventh floor could go eat at. And so what they didn't tell us, they don't serve food. It's not a real restaurant. Um, it just sounds real good when they say you're gonna be able to go up to that floor. And so we checked into our rooms, a nice room. We went to the seventh floor. The, the second night that we were there, one of the men that were with us said this, why don't we go up and eat at the eighth floor restaurant? You know, the one that only those that are staying on the seventh floor could stand. And the only reason we're staying on the seventh floor is not because we paid to stay there, it's because they messed a reservation up. And so we would never be able to get to the eighth floor unless they upgraded us to the seventh floor. Well, we got to the eighth floor, we put our key card in the elevator, we hit eight and got up to the eighth floor, we walked out and there was nothing there. It was a beautiful room, there was nothing to eat there. There was a bar that um, you could, you could uh, drink alcohol at and the rest of it was just a seating area and there was a meeting room if you wanted to meet. And so three of us, there was four of us there, three of us were just walking around that room and said, there's nothing to eat here. What a beautiful view, but nothing to eat. This was a waste of time. And I look over and there Dick Dissop is leaning over the bar. I said, what's Dick doing? One of the guys said, I don't know. He's got his Bible out. And so we sat down there and as we were all saying how much of a waste of time the eighth floor was, it wasn't nothing special. There Dick was leaning over this bar with his Bible, telling the person there at the bar how to receive Jesus Christ as a savior. And our stomachs are growling and one of us said, I wish he'd hurry. And that man said to Dick, how did you know I've been searching for this. And Dick said, I, I didn't know. The Lord sent me up here. Because the reality is, is the Lord had to orchestrate that all because we should have never been on the eighth floor because we didn't pay to stay on the seventh floor. But because of our reservation that was being uh, messed up that day, they put us on the seventh floor, which enabled us to get on the eighth floor to talk to a man that said, I've been searching and looking for truth. And 15 or 20 minutes or so later after he was finished sharing the gospel with this man, that man there at that bar, that was while he was working, he bowed his head, he trusted Christ as his savior. And when he was done, he said to Dick, I need to find a new job. Dick didn't say a thing to him. He said, I need to find a new job. He says, and I can't wait to go home and tell my wife and my children how to be saved. You talk about divine appointments.
You talk about taking the opportunity to be bold. You see, so often we look at things in life and we look at it how it affects us. I don't like the situation I'm in. I don't like the, the problem I find myself in. This isn't fair to me. This is what I asked for. This is what I'm looking for. This just isn't fair. When in reality, what we ought to be looking for is opportunities to be bold. God is allowed to change things in our life. God is allowed to redo some things in our life. God is allowed to change our reservations if he so chooses so that somebody that is searching for the gospel can hear, but somebody's got to be bold enough to share the gospel. Wouldn't it be amazing if God would have orchestrated all those things so that a Christian would be in the place to give the gospel to a person that is admittedly searching for truth, but there wasn't a Christian that was bold enough to share it. So, so uh, uh, um, uh, sorry to say that there were some that were so more concerned about their own luxuries, that being me, that I wasn't thinking about somebody else being saved. I was bold when it came to what my comforts were, but I wasn't bold to the preaching of the gospel like I needed to be. God help us. God help us. You're a witness of Christ. Now be a witness for Christ. You've seen what Christ has done for you. In church, it's now time for us to tell others what Jesus Christ can do for them. We don't tell. The reason why is because we lack boldness. Jesus told with grace and truth. That's how he was described. He always told truth, but he did it with such grace. And that should characterize our lives as well. My time is through. We have to come to the Lord's table here this morning. And, but I just want to ask you this morning, how bold are you for Christ? I'm afraid this, Christian, so many of us have convinced ourselves of the excuses why we shouldn't tell. Nobody's going to hear. I'm not allowed. We live in a great country where there's great liberties, and so often we don't take advantage of liberties to tell the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was a man in our church that told me just recently that he was in Grand Rapids, Ohio here. And he gave the gospel to a younger, younger boy. He began to tell him about Jesus and that boy looked at him and said, who's Jesus? They're not hearing it. They're not hearing it in the public school system. They're not hearing it in their homes. Listen to me, if a, if a person doesn't come to church and hear it, how are they going to hear the gospel? Because the church has to go to them. It's our responsibility to be bold. And I want to challenge our church today. Will you be bold in giving the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that sits in darkness? Will you be bold for the Lord? What he's done for you, will you be bold enough to tell others?